You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 315. Today, Beverly is interviewing Daniel Yores, and they're talking about his journey through fitness mindset and personal growth. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Beverly Simpson, former fitness manager turned online personal training business owner. And this podcast is where smart fitness professionals, including trainers and clinicians, discover how to increase client performance in movement, package and position their products and services and get out of their own way so that they can increase their revenue to live a life that they love without sleazy sales. Welcome to the PT Profit Podcast. Welcome back to the PT Profit Podcast. My name is Chris, and before we dive in, I wanted to give a bit of background about Daniel. I've actually been connected to Daniel on social for a while now, but had the privilege of actually meeting him here in Edmonton at Andrew Coates Fitness Conference, which will be actually happening again in the fall. So if you want more information about that, be sure to connect through Andrew Coates Fitness. Now, Daniel has been doing big things in his podcast with his work, uh, even helping other people learn about how to start with a podcast. And he has a clear passion for helping people. You're going to definitely resonate with a lot of what he puts into his coaching business and his mindset in life. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to rate it five stars on your platform of choice and leave a review if you use Apple Podcasts. And of course, don't forget to share that you listened by taking Beverly and Daniel on social media, be that Instagram, Facebook, whichever you use, with a screenshot of the episode and tag them. It helps the show grow, and I know how much they appreciate you listening. With that, let's get into the interview. What's up, Daniel? Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. How are you? I'm doing great, Beverly. Thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. I've been looking forward to this one, so ready to go. Me too. I'm excited. So for those of you who are not familiar with your work, can you share with us a little bit about who you are, who you serve, and how you got there? Yeah. So to try and make a long story short, as I'm sure that we all have a somewhat of a long story, I'm a personal trainer uh, in person and online. I also host a podcast cleverly named after myself, the Daniel Yours Podcast. And there's a story behind that, so we can talk about that. But yeah. So I try and help people to get healthier, lose weight, and use fitness as a vehicle to improve the rest of their life. I mean, I think all trainers know this, that fitness can be the catalyst to a lot of other positive improvements in all areas of life. And as a, you know, coming from an athletic background and always being involved in sports in the gym, it's always been that kind of that anchor in my life. And when things have gotten or when I've gotten away from the gym or away from exercise at different points, I kind of noticed that everything else was starting to starting to fall off. And so, you know, trying to give that back to other people is really you know, my, my life's mission, so to speak. Okay. I love that. So give us the story. You, you started to hint, give us the story about the podcast naming. <laughs> so, okay. Maybe, maybe I hyped it up too much. It's not a story, but there's a reason why besides a lack of creativity that I named it that. And as I was starting the podcast, you know, you look at all the top podcasts, what are people naming things? What are, you know, what are they called? Oftentimes, they are named after the host of the podcast, right? The Joe Rogan Experience, the Tim Ferriss Show. They're just named after the person. And so I thought, okay, well, I can spend some time 
trying to come up with some wildly creative name that is one actually good and doesn't suck and two is not already taken because you know you come up with something good you do a quick google search and like oh there's four other podcasts named that the, the you know the the instagram handle is taken the the domain name is gone like all that stuff okay out of the out of the equation no one's going to have my name and the other side of that is it allows me the creative flexibility to explore areas that are not only fitness related as my career goes on. Of course, the podcast is health and fitness related, but there are, like I said, no other tangents in life that things are connected to. And so I don't want to be only fitness and stuck in that niche, if you will. Uh, So give myself the freedom by calling it just my name to explore my interests uh, over time. Love it. Now, how long have you been, how long have you been doing this? The podcast actually just passed the third birthday. And as far as training people, this is year nine and probably about like five and a half or almost six years of like full time. This is the only thing that I've been doing. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Great. So you specialize and focus primarily on general population. You mentioned, you mentioned weight loss. Is that what you focus on? I try not to make the focus only on weight loss, but as you know, that's what is what on, is what's on most people's minds. So, you know, we we use weight loss as like a hey, you know, this is the thing that you want, but there's all these other really cool things that you can accomplish, and they're going they're going to contribute to your ultimate goal of weight loss. So, I guess I guess in a way, I specialize in that, but it's not the thing that I'm you know shoving down people's throats all the time. I love it. So let's talk about that. So what can you walk us through your methodology, your process, and specifically how you get people on board with, with your way instead of, you know, and moving them away from the weight loss goal? Yeah. So, so maybe it's not that I'm necessarily moving them away from the weight loss goal. It's that I'm drawing their attention to other areas that they can progress, like their strength, like their performance, like their mobility, and just general well-being in life. And so the way that I do that is by making them aware of those things. I'm a big, huge fan of just drawing awareness to stuff. And that happens from paying attention to what's actually going on. So when I intake a new client, one of the very first things that's going to happen once I've kind of got to know them and whatnot is let's get an accurate assessment of your eating and your nutrition habits. This is not revolutionary by any means, but like, let's get a food log, right? So let's take a look at exactly what you're eating because everyone thinks they're eating pretty well. And if you're continuing to gain weight and not feeling great, chances are you're not eating as well as you think. And so it's those chips at night that you you didn't really realize that you were having the couple cookies throughout the day and whatever it is, that's just like, kind of becomes unconscious behavior. So let's draw awareness to that. Let's draw awareness to your sleep. Let's draw awareness to how many steps are you getting in a day. Let's draw awareness to how do you feel when you wake up in the morning. When we become aware of all these things, then we can accurately assess like, oh yeah, I I am starting to feel better because I'm exercising, because I'm eating a little bit better, because I'm getting to sleep a little bit better and all of these things. So I guess that's how I, how I draw the focus away from only the weight loss. Of course, we're still going to assess weight loss, you know, that's still part of the goal, but we want to create little wins along the way as well. And that gets some more buy-in to the process. And I think it also, it, it, it keeps clients around for longer because eventually the client has, gets their weight loss goal. Like mm-hmm. if it takes, you know, three years to lose 20 pounds, like, okay, but it can happen faster than that. And so the mm-hmm. fitness journey is not complete after you 
you know, lose 15, 20, 30 pounds, right? There's a whole lifetime of fitness. And so if the only thing that we care about and the only thing that we talk to our clients about is weight loss, when that happens, then in their mind, we've given them no reason to feel like they need us anymore because they've lost the weight and kind of, you know, completed the game. And so by drawing awareness to, you know, the strength gains that they can make and all of the other things, it, it, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want us to make it sound like it's, it's a, it's a tactic. Like it's a business tactic, but I think in our business, like giving people better results for the longer term is the goal. And that's also the best business tactic. Mm -hmm. Oh, amen. So I'm curious for you, you know, you, you started to talk about it. You bring a, you typically bring a client in and, and really bring it awareness specifically around nutrition, specifically around sleep. And then of course, you know, then you're going to start building in the strength program. So what are some of the biggest struggles and the biggest things that you keep consistently seeing your, your clients come in with that really you help shift their perspective around? It's a confusion that they think, and this is by no fault of their own, but people often think that they're doing a lot better or a lot more than they actually are. Mm -hmm. And one thing that, one thing that I'm very proud of, and this is, comes very naturally to me. This is not like a persona or a tactic or anything that I use, but I'm very straightforward and honest with people. And that's not to the point of like being an a-hole, but it's like, Hey, you said you were doing all of these things. If you were doing X, Y, and Z, then you would have these results. If you don't have these results, then by definition, you're not doing what you think that you're doing. And so it's, it's bridging this, this disconnect. And so the, 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 the struggle with that from my side is building that trust, getting the client to trust me. And sometimes that even means letting them fail. It's like, okay, you think that that's going to work. I think this is going to happen, but go do it and then report back and let's see what happens. You know, most of the time I'm more or less correct. And they're like, ah, oh, you were right. How did you know that was going to happen? It's like, well, it's my job to know that that was going to happen. And then, so therefore we, we, we build that trust and now we can, we can align what they think they're doing with what's actually happening. And that is the biggest, the biggest struggle, the, the hows and the, how to exercise and the, how to eat, that's all relatively simple. And like, it's a very Googleable knowledge, right? They don't need me just for that. It's how to implement it. So again, just marrying the, the appearance and reality. Well, now, how do you navigate the nuances, however, between the people who are dealing with the mental load of like, sometimes they're caring, like they think they're doing more than they actually are versus the people who actually might need, you know, have, you know, outstanding circumstances like PCOS, Hashimoto's or things that are, you know, not things that are medically treated. Have you, how do you, how do you navigate that and, and find that line for your client? So it it again, just comes down to understanding what the reality of their situation is. Like if you have name your medical condition that is preventing you from doing something, then we have to get very clear. And sometimes this is a very difficult conversation to have that it's like, Hey, things are going to be much more difficult for you. We can do all of the right things. We've got to, you know, navigate around this medical condition, but things are going to be more difficult for you. And, and we're going to try and do our best, but we just have to accept that that's going to happen. So as long as your expectations are now set correctly, you're not going to be disappointed when the results are maybe less than what you think they are. An, an easier example of that, because it's it's easier to control, is someone who's like, you know, I want to bench press 500 pounds, but, but I only want to work out once every two weeks. It's like, well, 
it's just not going to happen because the reality of the situation is you need to do certain things to get that to get that goal. And so the thing that you're trying to accomplish is impossible based on what you're able to do. And so in the in the presence of any you know medical condition that may prevent things, it's the same thing. Is like you're not able to do certain things, and it's not someone's fault. Like in the example of someone who doesn't want to work out, it's not your fault. This is just the reality. So let's we need to work on accepting this, and then set our expectations accordingly. This way, we don't lead to you know disappointment, and we can we can progress as as much as we can. What have you done in the circumstances of people not realizing that they have a medical condition yet? How have you had those crucial or have you had to have those crucial conversations with them where you have asked yourself, well, maybe there's an underlying condition that we need to dig a little deeper into? How has that worked? Yeah, it hasn't happened too often, like maybe a handful, you know, maybe five times or so, so far, but it's, it's been, it's been very difficult. And the first time it happened, it felt like until I realized that it could be something else, I really felt like a failure. I felt like, wow, I'm like they're they're doing the things that you know i'm I'm asking them to do. like they're not they're not lying to me. They're not you know creating their food log and and not including all the soda and chips and all the stuff. and and things are not happening. Like what's going on here? I felt like I was the failure. And then you know, kind of talking to colleagues and doing some research and looking around, I was like, oh, well, there might be something more going on here. So let me just refer them out to their doctor. And, you know, sure enough, there was, I don't remember exactly what it was that first time, but there was some other condition that kind of made things way harder for them. And then things got better from there because I'm like, oh, okay, great. The problem is not, not, I mean, not great that you have this condition, but it's like great that we understand why things are happening the way that they're happening. Now we can change course and, and make a better plan in given the new information that we have. That is so interesting. And, and the reason here, the here's why I'm saying it's interesting for two main reasons. Number one, right now, if you look at social media, it feels like everybody has underlying conditions and it, ha and, and you're telling me that in nine years, you've had it happen a handful of times. Well, let me, let me correct myself there. There's, I've had lots of clients with underlying conditions but they it's knew only it's only they only, they knew about them. They knew about them ahead of time. Like, hey, I'm coming to you to lose weight, blah blah. blah but I have this thing going on. So, like, yeah. I have plenty of clients with underlying conditions. But there's only been oh. a few where we didn't know, and then through you know results and discovery, we found out together that they had something else going on. Oh, okay, great. Okay, great. Okay, because I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, but you know that's happened to me. And honestly, when we found this. Cause I too felt like I was a failure, but when we found it together, cause I was pushing, cause I took them to the doc, the, they went to the doctor and they're like, my blood work is fine. But I pushed, I said, no, 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 let's look for this, ask for this, ask for this. And they found some things It was PCOS and it was Hashimoto's and underlying for graves. We both felt relief, even though we weren't hitting the goals. It was like this sense of like, we've discovered this now we can course correct. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That that's all it is. It's like this 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 burden of the client and the coach and both of you together, you think that you're doing something wrong. And and it's really hard to accept that like you're trying to do everything right and you genuinely are trying your hardest and not lying and not, you know, everything is good and things are not happening as they should be happening. That is a very difficult place to be. But when you can understand that hey, like there are some things that are outside of my control. My situation is not as I thought it was that relieves a huge burden because now it's not like it's not only your fault of course there's still things that you need to do but it's not only your fault and there's you're trying to control things that are outside of your control when you understand that and give up that control to the the thing that it is 
it, it, it's very relieving. So it is 1000%. Now I'm curious for you, uh, how do you navigate for yourself and for your clients? How do you navigate the difference between, you know, flexible commitment and actually doing what it is that you say that you're going to do, even when you sometimes don't feel like it, but then you're glad that you have the discipline to do it versus, you know, I'm going to go to the gym with the flu and at all costs, I must do it. Yeah. So this again comes back to the the willing and able, which is a statement that I use with my clients all the time. It's like, we can't expect the world and give nothing in return. So if you want extreme results, you need to put in extreme effort and do extreme work, right? And if you're not willing and or able to do those things, then we can't, we can't accept that. Now, sometimes we also have to rein people back in. Like you said, someone who has the flu and you know all this kind of stuff and and I'm like hey you're putting in like you're doing more effort you're doing more stuff and working harder but more is not always better better is better and so going to the gym 6 days a week to run yourself into the ground like that's not the thing that might be the best thing for you to be doing despite trying to get better and more results so then we need to take an honest look like okay this is what you're doing this is what's happening it's obviously not working. So what do we need to change? You are training all this, uh, like going to the gym so many times when you're sick, you're getting sick more often than you otherwise would be or should be. You are not sleeping well. You're eating ravenously because you're constantly stressed. And so what's the thing that we can change here? Do you really need to be training six days a week? Maybe for that client, probably not. And then we can and then we can change that. So again, it just it's this expectation setting, which I think is a big issue in all of fitness. I think that it's partly at the fault of fitness marketing. And we don't want to, it's hard to say to our clients like, Hey, sign up for this thing, pay me this money. It's going to be really hard work. And it's going to take a really long time. Like that's a horrible sales pitch. Although it's honest, like it's a horrible sales pitch. So then, you know, the opposite becomes true. And it's like, I can get you the fastest results in the least amount of effort. And that sounds like great. Sign me, sign me up for that one, but it's just not true. And so we set expectations incorrectly and then people are disappointed and this is where we run into the i've tried everything well probably haven't because there's obviously something that works but again expectation setting is is just very very important in this i've done this this has been this has been you know one of those lessons where it's like well yeah you can i, I, I i've done it on the business side more so than I've done it on the fitness side, because what's the difference between the business is that you don't need the time to recover. Like you can get as many reps in as possible. Like you could in theory do eight hours of calls in one day. Like you could in theory do that. You could in theory sell one person a million dollar offer and make a million dollars in an hour. Like in theory, you could do that. But the that expectation management is one of the things that that is so vital because What's easy for me is not going to be easy for, you know, everybody. Exactly. I think one thing that we also run into, and I certainly ran into this like much earlier on, is that remembering that the clients are not like me. I like going to the gym. I like eating healthy. Like these are things that are not difficult for me to do because I enjoy them. And this is why my job is my job. And so for me to think like, Hey, well, what do you mean? You just didn't feel like going to the gym? Like, uh, what are you like a weirdo? Like that's, that's an incorrect way to think because like they genuinely don't feel like going to the gym. And so expecting everyone to just love the thing that I love is, is wrong. It's, it's very childish behavior. And I overcame that. And, and since, uh, you know, understand that now, but, but we have to just understand, like meet the clients where they're at and give them, give them what they can, what they can actually handle. That's going to actually help them. 
empathy is one of those is is can be challenging, right? You're like I'm I'm lucky to live with my husband because he is not a gym person. Like he keeps me grounded because he's like, you're a freak. I just can't in 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 a very lovingly way, in a loving way. <laughs> Who are these people that just love to be in the gym? And so sometimes because I'm so comfortable at the gym, it's very interesting for me because sometimes I'll be around someone who's nervous or scared, doesn't want to go to that side of the gym. Like I have a girlfriend right now that I'm working with and she's like, I don't want to go to the bro side. And I'm like, why? You know, and I, you forget, you forget like, oh yeah, they think everyone's looking at you. I can't remember. I think it was either Crunch or Planet Fitness that used to have this commercial of the tarp that everyone want, like they could work under, work out under the tarp. My husband would tell me every day, I want the tarp, get me the tarp and then I'll go. <laughs> <with it." laughs> like, yeah, that, that is a very interesting behavior. I don't know what the, I mean, I don't know what the answer to that is the solution. I think it's just time in the gym and eventually you get more comfortable with it. And there's always going to be some discomfort. I'll say even myself, like I'm comfortable in gyms. I've been in lots of gyms. I've trained in lots of different gyms. But when I go to a brand new gym, there's always like each gym has its own vibe. There's, you know, there's little cliques and people know each other and the way things are done in that gym and where's the equipment. And like, I don't know how to adjust this bench because it's some weird bench that I've never seen before. And like, there's all these little things. So there's like some, some small level of unfamiliarity that still happens. But I think you you get over it quickly. And I think that the 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 real only way to get over it is just with continued time and continued uh, pursuit of progression in the gym. A quick story if if you'll entertain me is I had a client uh, a while back and she was brand new, like never exercised sign of her personal training. Great. She was, you know, scared to to lift heavy, scared of the gym and that's why she went to like a the, the place I was working at the time was just a private one-on-one studio. So there wasn't like strangers and stuff and random people in the gym. Anyways, so she was doing great, you know, getting stronger, loving the gym, all that stuff. And then she went on vacation. And so I gave her like a workout to to do on vacation at the hotel gym. And she texted me. She's like, well, they don't have heavy enough dumbbells for me to work out here. So like, what am I supposed to do? Like the dumbbells only go up to 30. So what can I do? And then she, and then her response neck right after that was like, I can't believe I just said that, that this gym doesn't have heavy enough dumbbells for me because she had gone from a person who's like, oh, I don't want to lift more than like the tens to like, Hey, they only have thirties. Like, what am I even doing here? Like, this is a waste of my time. And so that was just like such a, like that realization from her was like such a big transformation moment. Even her realizing it in herself, just like texting me that it was, it was awesome. That's, that's so amazing. So amazing. So I'm curious for you. And you said that you're, you do both online and you do in person. What are some of the biggest differences from training online versus training in person that you have found? And what would you say to someone who's new? To the online space, like how, what would you wish you knew when you first started training online? So the biggest difference I think is that online, you, you have to give up more control over the way the client's workouts go than you want. Like I'm someone who's a bit of a stickler for doing things right. And the form is, you know, a certain way. And obviously it's different for everyone, but like in person, I can make adjustments on the fly and okay, move your knee this way, squeeze this, put your back this way. Like I can do that with a person in person and online. Like, yes, I've got, you know, detailed form videos and instructions and we can do form checks and, and all of the things, but I can't be there live with the person to, you know, poke them and cue them instantaneously to do stuff. So you have to understand that you're going to have to give some of that up and things are not going to be perfect all the time, but there's a process and it's just part of the, part of the trade-off. 
So that's that that's probably the biggest thing is giving up a little bit of control. As far as someone like someone who's starting off and maybe something that I I wish that I had learned earlier starting online is that maybe more of a business side of things, but online clients don't have to come from people who are far away from you. Like right now, I've got two clients, their husband and wife, and they live literally down the street from me, like seven houses down. And and they're online clients. And so your online clients can still come from your personal real world, you know, network within your neighborhood or city or town or wherever you live. You don't have to, you know, look somewhere across the country, people in Australia, like they can be your clients, of course, but you don't have to get people from there. So don't negate or or neglect rather your personal network to start building clients in online. Ooh, that's that's good. That's good. <laughs> because people think that, oh, online, I need to all of a sudden be training worldwide, which you can, but yeah. you don't have to. Yeah. I mean, you, you start posting on Instagram and you have, you know, 14 followers and, and 13 of them are your family. And one of them is a, is a bot. Like <laughs> you're not competing with the influencers of the world to gain clients uh, across the globe. It's just not going to happen. It may happen one day, but it's not going to happen on day one. So start just with the people that you know, try and transition maybe some in-person clients to online clients, if that's the direction that you want to take your business and then build it slowly, like build offline and then show online. Because I think a lot of mistake that happens, I don't know about you, Beverly, but I get DMs every single day. And I'm sure every fitness person does of like, you know, some 16 year old in some country you've never heard of like, Hey, I can grow your business. Hey, I can do like short form content editing. Hey, I can do this. And it's like, but you know, you haven't done Exactly. Yeah, that's another one. But it's like you haven't done anything. So like, what makes me trust you that you have you can grow my business? Like, you don't even have a business yourself. So why would I trust you to be able to grow my business? So you've got to still do things in real life in order to get people to you know to build authority so that people online will trust you. And be like, hey, this this person's for real. They didn't just you know go to the gym and get fit and then all of a sudden call themselves a trainer. Like, no, they actually train people. They actually know what they're doing, and and therefore I might hire them. You know, you're bringing up a very nuanced conversation, actually, in my opinion, right? And and here's why I say that is because I have made the mistake of doing that where I look at someone else's results and I go, oh, well, I want those results. So they might know how to do it and be able to do it for me. And I think for me, what I've come to find is that that's like saying, oh, well, Sally did keto, so keto must be work, and that's going to work for me. And so what I think you said, which is a great distinction, and I think it's important that that we hear it and reiterate it, because honestly, it's one of the advices that I wish I had taken when I first started my business, which is that it's not enough that that person has done it for themselves. Go and mm-hmm. look at their people that they've worked with. Are they, are they in like they, the people that they've worked with doesn't have to have a million dollars. It's not it. It's just, are they in the field? Are they doing what it is that they say that they're doing and that they can do it? Like go and look for their references, not just what they've done themselves for me. That's what I, that's got it. 100% agree with that. And and that's definitely a big asterisk to what I said before. It's not like just, can they do it for themselves? Can they do it for other people? Because if you're trying to hire them, as a coach, like it's great that you can get yourself in shape. That doesn't mean anything about getting someone else in shape. I'm, I'm sure you know, I know many people who are like, you know, 
late teens, young twenties who they start going to the gym and they're just they're They were thin already. They were like in good shape. They never got out of shape. Nothing ever happened. And they go to the gym and anyone who's been to the gym at that stage of life, you know, that you go in, you take three deep breaths. All of a sudden you're just building muscle. Like you, you do anything and it works. And so then you go from that and, you know, so you work out for a year, you're 21 years old. You look great. You're, you have a great butt, you have great abs, you have, you know, whatever you look awesome. You're like, Hey, I know you switch your Instagram bio to a online coach DM for training. And it's like, but you haven't actually trained anyone and you couldn't even describe how you got the results for yourself, let alone get it for, get it for someone else. And that's a, that's a huge red flag. I think for, for any type of coaching, but, but a mistake that people make is that you got to understand that it's not enough to coach yourself. It's not enough to, to just love the gym and be a gym rat. Like that's great. And probably, probably somewhat of a prerequisite. You got to love what you're doing but you need to be able to get results for other people because that's the most important part. Unless you're just trying to be a fitness model, in which case, I mean, you're not a coach, then just get great results for yourself and you know do whatever you want, but, but yeah. different conversation. Different conversation. Totally right. I think we're definitely on the same page. And the only reason why I bring that up is because I also get to work with, I have the pleasure and privilege of working with people who are just such incredible high achievers. So they never feel like they're enough. They're like, oh, I just need to get one more cert. I got to get to get this. I got to get that. And it's like, no, no, no. Get in the field. You know mm. enough. You've done some stuff and get in the field and just be honest and transparent. Just like, just like you said, like be honest and transparent and direct. And when you don't know, you say you don't know that you're going to find out. That's Absolutely. I think every trainer can speak to this. I know I certainly can that uh, so I went to school. I did my kinesiology degree, bachelor of science. I even went to chiropractic school for a year, dropped out, you know, whatever story for another day, bunch of certs, all that stuff. And then I started training people and I was like, huh, like this is different than what we learned in, in the textbook. And there's like a lot of things that we didn't learn. And so it's kind of just trial by fire and you learn and you learn as you go. Now you still need some of that background knowledge and it definitely gives you a, a good way of, it, it teaches you how to think, how to, how to maybe problem solve, how to look things up, how to like, you know, find out the answers to questions that you don't know. So there's not, I'm not saying that there's like no value in formal education. There's definitely value in that, but nothing, nothing beats like just working with people. And like, that's the real thing. Cause no one actually fits the textbook. We have, everything is generalized and all that stuff. Nobody fits the textbook. So you've got to be able to adjust things on the fly to the person in front of you and be humble enough to know when you don't know the answer, because people will rather will way more appreciate if you say, I don't know, let me get back to you on that one versus you just making up some nonsense, which you know that you're lying. They know that you know that you're lying and then they don't trust you. They don't get the results and then they're no longer a client. And, and it's just a downward spiral to, to nowhere. Absolutely. Like a deep sense of trust in process is yeah. essential, right? And if you break that, it's hard to get that yeah. back. And, and it's okay to make mistakes for anyone who's, who's a beginner. Like we all make mistakes. Like there's, you know, random things that I can remember if I, ra if I rack my brain about like silly, stupid things that I did in training, probably stuff that I would like make fun of now that I would be like, I can't believe like a trainer would do that. And I'm like, Oh yeah, hold on a second. Like I did that like eight years ago. I'm like, whoops. But, but you know, it, it's just part of the process and you learn and you, and you, you be honest with yourself and you constantly try to improve and evaluate yourself. Like, there's a, there's a saying that you know, people say about a, a lot of different things and not often using the fitness contents, but it's, you know, you just you fuck around and find out. And, and I think that, that, that has so much validity to it, especially in the gym space, because you go in, you just try stuff 
And I think that there's a lot of people who who get stuck on the fuck around part and they and they don't get out of that. The second and more important piece of that puzzle is the find out part. Fuck around, but then like evaluate what you're doing. Is it working? Is it safe? Is it effective? Is it repeatable? Is it translatable to different people? How would you create variations of this? Blah, 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 blah. If it's valid, then you know, keep it in the mix. If it's not, then discard it. Well, it's funny because I it brings us back to the conversation around like people think that they're doing more than they actually are. Like you could could be going to the gym and spending an hour there. But if you're like shooting the shit with your friends, if you're consistently mm-hmm. going, that's not the same thing as actually pushing yourself to like make change. Like you're gonna have to get uncomfortable, right? This is not at all costs, but you know, this isn't gonna be like walk in the park you're gonna have some moments in the gym if you're trying to make a change that are gonna be like not so fun (laughs) yeah exactly i i kind of i've started referring to it as trying to get a good return on your effort i think we're all comfortable with the return with the concept of return on investment but the return on your effort and your time in the gym is something that seems to be missed like you said there's people who go to the gym you know, hey, I go to the gym five five times a week, an hour a day, and it's like, but you have no results to show for it. So maybe you're not putting in that much effort, but you're also not getting that many, you're not getting any results. You're putting in five hours a week and like, you know, 15% effort getting no results. What if you just put in like a 60% effort and spend four hours a week? You're all in like giving less, and but you're going to get way more results. And that's the thing that you want. Very few people want to go to the gym for the sake of going to the gym. They're not people like us who could just spend hours in the gym for the sake of it, right? They want to go to the gym because they want a result. And so if you're not getting that result, you're wasting your time and your effort. So you're better off just like putting a little bit more effort in and getting the thing that you want. And this is this is probably true in business as well, right? People say, hey, I want to make a million dollars a year. Okay, great. Are you willing? You know, you got to put in the effort to, to make that million dollars. And if you're not, if you're just spinning your wheels, then you're better off putting a little bit more effort to get the result that you want rather than just complaining about not getting results and not putting in enough effort. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Um, a couple things is that, you know, this, this reminds me of me just in the sense of I talk about fitness every single day, so much so that I literally did not realize that I had let four years go by without working out. Yeah, I believe it. All of a sudden I woke up and was like, how did I get here? Because I talk about fitness all day, every day. But I was like, oh, that's enough. I guess it's enough to just talk about it. <laughs> yes, yeah, I believe it. Are, are, do, you, do you know who Chris Williamson is? He has the the Modern Wisdom podcast. Uh-uh, no. Well, I'm Great sure podcast. I- yeah, great, great podcast. Anyone who's into you know personal development, all that stuff, you know, check it out. Whatever. Not that not I don't. I'm not affiliated. Obviously, I wish it was, but cool. Anyways, <laughs> he has this. He has this great, great quote or great line. As I think it was a tweet, and it was about doing the thing, and and the, it goes something like, you know, reading about the thing is not doing the thing. Talking about the thing is not doing the thing. Making a plan to do the thing is not doing the thing. Scheduling time to do the thing is not doing the thing. Doing the thing is doing the thing. And so we you know we can fall into this trap too. It's like, hey, I've been inundated by fitness. I've been in the gym coaching clients. I'm talking about it. I'm doing podcasts. I'm making posts. I'm doing all this stuff. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot to actually go to the gym. The The clients, (laughs) the client side of that is like, I bought new workout clothes. I bought my gym membership. I got a new water bottle. I downloaded an app. I, you know, did all the, whatever, all these things like, okay, cool. Go to the gym. Like that, that is the thing that's going to move the needle for you. And and for sure there's business analogies. You know, I got a new whiteboard. I put sticky notes all over my thing. I, I made a plan. I set up my Calendly. I, I got a professional email. Like, okay, great. Like get clients. <laughs> 
I mean, I'm laughing only just because like people get like stuck in the weeds of working, you know, in the business instead of on the business, or I can't remember if it was switched or whatever, but it's like, okay, well, great. Now, how many people did you talk to today? Well, nobody, I just made a list of all the things I need to do. Well, okay, but we need to talk to people. Yeah. And listen, I'm, I'm saying these things, like I am not immune to this. I, I do this all the time. I'm, I'm worse at it in my business than I am with like, with my fitness stuff. I will notoriously like, okay, I gotta make, gotta make a plan, gotta do stuff. And then I kind of like shake my head. I'm like, okay, forget this. Like, forget this post-it note, like just start doing things. And then once you start doing things then the ball gets rolling and you start like, okay, check that off, check that off, check that off. And all of a sudden you've had like a wildly productive day. Maybe you got a client, maybe, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And, and, and then you've actually done the thing rather than trying to just plan about doing the thing because your, your, your plan is always going to be, it's never going to work out perfectly. And the, the, again, the, the fitness business analogy is like you write a workout program for a client and you say, okay, you've got to do, you know, these exercises, this sets and reps, and they get to the gym. They're like, oh, well the, the leg press machine was taken today at the gym. So what do I do? Well, do they just go home? and not work out? Or do you say, you know, maybe you can do goblet squats instead or whatever other exercise instead. It's like, you've got to, you have to, your plan has to be flexible. So you can spend all the time you want making the perfect plan. If you don't execute on it, it's not going to help you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it reminds me, this is so, this is such a random analogy, but it reminds me of Harry Potter. Okay. And in the movie, in the final movie, (laughs) where, (laughs) where, where, spoiler alert, Harry is like, at Hermione because she's like, we need to make a plan. And Harry's like, we make a plan. It goes to shit. And then we just yeah. get So let's just do it. And it reminds me, you telling that story reminds me of that. And it's so true is that you are going to learn. You're going to get the lesson that you need or the success that you want. And it's only going to happen with action. It's the only thing. And, and we'll probably, you know, learn that lesson over and over again, as you level up in your business and there'll be new things to take action on, like something that, that might've bugged you early on, you know, you're, you're making your first Instagram post and you're like, ah, oh, the caption, uh, I'm not sure if the hashtags are right. like this and that. And it's like, okay, you can get bogged down about that. And, and that's fine because at, at that level in your first post, like relatively, like that's, a, that's a big challenge. Like you're not, you don't even, not even aware of the things you don't know. On your, you know, 500th Instagram post, you know, spelling mistakes. You didn't, even, you forgot to do hashtags. You post it just to, like at a weird time. It's like ah, I just got to get it out there because that's the thing that matters. Getting it out there, doing the action is more matters more than the meticulous details that like you learn over time don't matter all that much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So true. So true. So you know, as someone who has been, you know, you've been doing this for quite some time. So I'm curious. You know, how do you, for yourself, stay so passionate, stay, keep it fresh and stay really active and engaged when it feels like, when it can sometimes feel a little monotonous or like it's the same thing over and over again? So the the work feels monotonous only because the, the general process is the same for everyone. Now, the thing that keeps it fresh is that every time I'm working with a new client, they are experiencing those lessons, those changes, those whatever for the first time. And it's always this, oh my God, I didn't know that. And every time I think that like, hey, like who am I to make another podcast or make another post? Like all this information's out there. Like I'm not, I'm not the world expert in fat loss or in muscle building or whatever. And even if I was like all the information's out there, like who am I to say anything? Mm-hmm. There are 
so many people, as many people as we think we've helped, there are so many other people who are hearing this stuff for the first time. Mm -hmm. And you're like, hey, you should eat one gram of protein per pound of body weight per day. And they're like, oh my God, never knew that before. And and no, the rest of us are sitting there thinking like, I've seen this like 8 million times and that was just yesterday. So, so the thing that keeps it interesting for me is knowing that there are so many more other people out there who need our help. And every single time that they, they get that help and they, you know, start to take fitness and their health and nutrition seriously, they have this, this awakening, this, like this rejuvenation in their life. That's like, oh, this is amazing. You've changed my life. I can't believe this. This is, this is so awesome. I'm feeling great. I can, you know, do X, Y, Z. I can play sports again. I can play with my grandkids again. I can do all these things again. And so that's the thing that like kind of keeps me motivated and keeps me going. Sure. There are some clients who, you know, I've had for a couple of years, like it's not all that exciting. They're more like friends now rather than, rather than clients and we write their programs, but it's like, Hey, we're just kind of on maintenance mode. And like, there's not really a whole lot to talk about. And, you know, we'll do our check-ins, but we're also just like chatting about non-fitness stuff. And those clients are like, not super exciting, obviously, but every time you get a new client, that's like, Hey, this is amazing. That's, that's the thing that keeps it, keeps it fresh for me. Mm, I love it. I love it. Okay. So I want to be very respectful of your time and thank you so much for coming to hang out with me today, for pouring into me and pouring into my community. So for those of you who are listening and want to go deeper with you, what are some of the best places that I can send them? Best place would be just, I guess, to my podcast. If you're a podcast person, the Daniel Yours podcast or Instagram is probably the, the platform that I'm most most active on. So just at Daniel yours and you can connect with me there, send me a DM. I'm always happy to chat and just help out and you know shoot the shit and whatever. Yeah. Okay. I love it. And we'll be sure to, uh, con- to link all of that in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Beverly. This has been, this has been great. I appreciate you having me on. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the PT Profit Podcast. If you like this episode, chances are your friends will too. So it would be a huge service to us if you would please leave us a review and share with your friends on your social media channels. When you leave us a review, be sure to take a screenshot of it and email that screenshot to my team at info at bsimpsonfitness.com. And we'll send you a very special Instagram podcast that will show you how to create compelling content so that your ideal clients come to you and you go from wanting clients to a wait list of clients ready for your services. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.